No, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. We'll be reading verses 25 through 14. One, it'll be on the screen too, so you can follow along there. And then John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. From Numbers chapter 13, now this was during the time, this was right after the wilderness, 40 days in the wilderness. And uh, as you remember, the uh, Hebrew children had come out of the wilderness, they had gone forth, and they're about to go into the promised land, and they send 12 spies into the promised land. So they send 12 spies into the promised land, and they come back. And here's what they say, beginning with verse 25 of Numbers 13. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel to the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And then they told him... And said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. In verse 1 of chapter 14, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And then looking at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for the inspiration of it. Now may it speak to our hearts and lives in such a way that we'll be challenged, that we'll be changed, and that we will never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, we are celebrating Pentecost today. It is the 50 days after Passover, and uh, so therefore today it actually lands 50 days after Easter. Uh, it, is, it was originally a Jewish festival, um, and they, so the folks were all in Jerusalem from all kinds of different places to celebrate uh, this festival of Pentecost. And the disciples, about 120 of them, were doing what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, go and, and stay there. And, and tarry and wait and I will send you the Holy Spirit. I'll send you the promise of the Father is what he says. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit pours out upon the disciples, all of the 120 of them. By then it was they had grown and 120 followers of Jesus in the upper room. They spill out of the upper room and, and it's as fire upon each of them's head. And then they were telling the wonderful works of God in, in, in other languages and other tongues and, and speaking in other tongues and somehow the people were hearing it in their native tongue I mean all of this had to look like something really wild because you know how we know that it looked like something really wild because Peter stands up Peter, the one that had kind of denied Jesus or did deny Jesus and kind of had gone through a long process of kind of, you know, really coming along from being like little Johnny always raising his hand and getting it wrong to here's Peter. He stands up and he, the first thing he says in his sermon is, folks of Jerusalem, these people are not drunk. How would you like to start a sermon like that? It'd be like me saying, okay, everybody, the praise band this morning is not drunk, okay? It's only 10.30 in the morning, all right? And, and, uh, and if you're drunk by then, we, we need to talk. But anyway, but, but, but the thing about it is, is that, so, so he starts his sermon saying, these people are not drunk, but here is what's happening. And he goes on to say, the Holy Spirit's poured out on them. And then at the end of his sermon, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus Christ and are baptized. I mean, some of us visited uh, Jerusalem and, and saw the place right there where this happened. And, and, and there were all kinds of little cisterns and ditches. And I believe to baptize 3,000 people on that day, because it says that day, 3,000 people on that day, they had to be baptizing people in every little puddle there was. Amen? But that would have to be awesome. But on that day, something amazing happened. And we call this the birthday of the church, that day that the church was uh, given birth to and went out to change the world, went out to spread the gospel. But also on that day, it is known as, as the catalyst event. That's when the power of the Holy Spirit was given to the church to go out and be the hands and feet of Christ to a world that was in need. And so, so this morning, as I'm thinking about Pentecost, and you know, we just finished up a series, a whole series called um, uh, Did God Say That? And we were talking about common, everyday Christian cliches that we say sometimes, things like everything happens for a reason and all of those, and we saw how we're using that wrong or that it might not be exactly what the Bible says and stuff. Well, I've got one more, even though this is not part of the series, one more that sometimes we say... Oftentimes, and we get it wrong when we say it, is God helps those who help themselves. How many of us have heard that before, or even said that before? Amen, we've heard that. God helps those who help themselves. 
Well, folks, I think that we sort of got that thing twisted a little bit. Because actually, if we could help ourselves, we would. Amen? If we could change it, we would. If we could do it differently, we would. And I think instead of saying that God helps those that help themselves, I think it's saying that I can't even. That's where we need to get to. We need to look at the situation. We need to look at our lives. And we say, Lord, I can't even help myself. And so therefore, I'm looking to you to be the helper in my life. Listen, Jesus gives us this promise. You remember he's leaving? He's getting ready to leave and he tells his disciples, hey, I'm leaving y'all, but don't worry, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Look at what he says in 15 and 16 of, of John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You hear that? He says, I will give you a helper that he may abide with you forever. And it's on the day of Pentecost that that helper comes. And he's available to each and every one of us. But sometimes we have to just come to the place that we say, Lord, I cannot help myself. I need your help. And so I want to look at for just a few minutes this morning, when and how does the Holy Spirit help us? When and how does the Holy Spirit help us? Here's the when. The Holy Spirit helps us when our calculations don't add up. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps us in the times that we admit that we cannot help ourselves. That whenever our calculations don't look right, whenever it doesn't compute. Listen, the calculations for the early church did not add up. Here were 120 uh, uh, people that, that they were fishermen, they were, they were uh, all kinds of other, some of them were former tax collectors, and in those days tax collectors really were seen as evil. Some were former prostitutes and, and all of this, and this ragtag gang of 120 set out and changed, literally changed all of history. I mean, changed all of history. And, 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 so, and that's not by their own power. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter preaches that day and 3,000 give their life to Christ. And then if you look at the end of that chapter, it says that daily people were coming to know the Lord. Not weekly, not monthly, but daily people were coming to Christ. And I don't know about you, but I can't add that up. I can't work that out. Only God can. See, see, so many times we try to calculate it. We try to, we, we try to do it our way, and if it doesn't calculate, you know what we usually do? We do like the children of Israel, and we don't go in. That's what happened here. Uh, you remember there were 12 spies sent in, and this is in the Old Testament, so the Holy Spirit's working in kind of a different way during those days. And, and, and 12 go in, they see these big people, and, and they say, we look like grasshoppers next to them. Now, why they thought of grasshoppers, I have no idea. But anyway, they say, we look like grasshoppers next to them, and, and we, there's no way that we can make this. It just does not compute. And, and, and so two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, oh, but we got the power of God. Let's take the land. And then the other ten were like, no, 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 no. We calculated it up. There's no way we can take care of this. And they tell the people, and then the people of Israel cry out and start saying, huh, let's go back to Egypt. 
Let's go back to Egypt. And so we need to understand. But here's the thing that we really need to understand. If they had calculated what God had actually done for them in the wilderness, there, Lauren Livingston tells about an army quartermaster general. Army quartermaster general, what they do is like whenever somebody's about to go to war, whenever their, uh, their army's about to go to war, the army quartermaster general is the logistics person. That the Army Quartermaster General decides how much food is going to be needed, uh, how many weapons are going to be needed, how, how much water is going to be needed, all the supplies, and does all of those calculations. And so there was this Army Quartermaster General that decided he was going to see exactly what was needed for the two to three million of the uh, people of Israel while they were in the wilderness, what would have been needed during those 40 years. And here's what he came up with. For two to three million, million in the wilderness, he said that they would have needed 1,500 tons of food every day. That would have required two freight trains one mile long. That's what they would have... And you remember what happened to them in the wilderness? God gave them manna, sweet bread. I like to say it was like Krispy Kreme donuts. Amen. He gave them sweet bread every day. Uh, 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 he said for, they would have needed 4,000 tons of firewood to cook the food and three more freight trains, that, that would have been three more freight trains one mile long. He said they would have needed 11 million gallons of water to drink and to cook and to wash with. I tell you what, that was an amazing rock, wasn't it? You remember they got water out of the rock. They said that would have been one more freight train one mile long. And he said to cross the Red Sea... It would have taken an opening of about three miles wide and they would have had to go 5,000 abreast to cross it in one night. And he said, you know what? This just sounds impossible. But Joshua and Caleb and those spies had just experienced 40 years of God doing that. Now, I don't know about you, but if God had provided all that over the last 40 years, I think I might have quit computing, amen, After before going into the uh, promised land and said, He can take us in. And so we need to stop computing sometimes. We need to stop it with our calculation. And we need to understand that this, if it's going to be done, it can only be done by the power of God. We need to come to that place that we can't even. Amen? Maybe you're in a situation that doesn't add up. Maybe you're in a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe you're in a, in a tough spot in your family. Maybe you're at a job that just, it, it, you, you're looking at the numbers and it's just not adding up and you don't know how you're going to get to the next month. I don't know, but maybe we need to just come to that place that says, I can't even, but I'm going to rely on the helper that can. Number two is this. Not only is the when, when our calculations don't add up, but the how the Holy Spirit helps us through His presence and His power. Listen, at Pentecost, what changed? I told you in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit sort of, He works on the outside. Every now and then He works through some prophets, through some kings and some different folks here and there. But at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit changed to where He's working on our inside. He's working on our inside. I love uh, Dr. Bill Turner, one of my seminary professors at Duke. He said uh, that before Pentecost, it was like the Holy Spirit was just a spigot here and a spigot there, and he'd pour out on this prophet, pour out on this king or on this leader, somebody. But on the day of Pentecost, 
he turned the sprinkler system on. And it poured out on every one of us. And what that means for us is that we don't have to go this thing alone. What it means for us is that His presence is with us. And, and, and His presence is, is palpable. That The Helper goes with us through any dark time that we're walking through. His presence goes with us during that divorce. His presence goes with us during that cancer scare or that cancer diagnosis. His presence goes with us during the grief after the loss of a loved one. We don't have to walk alone. The Helper comes along beside us. To walk with us. Amen? His presence is here. And His presence is in you. And the second part, way is by His power. I love Acts chapter 1, eight, 1 verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me, in all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem is that place that right where we are at the time. I mean, it's, Judea is the surrounding areas. Samaria is to the folks that are not like us. That means we're supposed to be witnesses to everybody. And then to the end of the earth is to all around the earth. We spread God's love. But we cannot do that on our own. We have to come to the place we say, I can't even. Because we need to be able to, we, we, it's only by God's power. Now, now, that word power in Acts chapter 1-8 is, is from the Greek word. Now, I'm not trying to impress you with Greek. I just happened to look these up, okay? And uh, Google is wonderful, is all I got to say. But anyway, but that comes from the Greek word um, dunamos. Now, now, there's two Greek words that is translated power in the New Testament. One is ekousia. Y'all say that with me. Ekousia, all right? So now you know some Greek, amen. But ekousia means authority. It means the right or the authority. And, and in John chapter 1, he says that his spirit witnesses to our spirit, and he has given us the authority to call ourselves children of God. You know what that means? Nobody can say that you're not a child of God. He's the only one. He witnesses to our spirit, and we can know that we're a child of God. And we need that authority sometimes, because I don't know about you, there's some Mondays I don't feel like a child of God. Amen? Amen. We need that, ekousia. But that's not the word for the Greek that's used. That's not the Greek word that's used in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The, word for, the, the Greek word there is dunamis, which literally is translated as dynamite. Y'all remember how J.J. used to say it on, on Good Times? Dynamite. Y'all remember that? And, and I love that. And, and, and so dynamite. He, he, uh, and, and so Jesus is literally saying that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have explosive dynamite power to go out and to spread His love and to reach out and to make a difference in this world. We cannot do that on our own. Amen? We have to do it under His power. Now, we need in the church both the ecclesia and the dynamite. I, I love this story told one time about uh, how, to, how we need both of these. Is Imagine that you are in a Ford Mustang, four-barrel engine, 
it's got to be stick shift. I know that some people don't even know what that is. But anyway, it's five speed in the floor, all right? And, and, and you're in there, and you got all that dynamite, all that dunamis under the hood. You know what I'm talking about? And it sounds like this. Some of you got excited just over that. Amen. But anyway, all that dunamis under the hood. And you come up to a red light. Now, you've got the dunamis, but you don't have the authority. You don't have the ecclesia to go because the light's red, right? All that dunamis under the hood. It's not doing you a lick of good because you can't go. But then about that time, you see the lights over there about to turn, and your light's about, it's yellow, now it's red, and now your light's turning green. And about the time you take off, you're getting ready to let off the clutch and mash the gas, and you got all that dunamis under the hood. About the time you get ready to take off, you look up in the rearview mirror, and there's a highway patrolman right behind you, and it's like, boom. Now you got the ecclesia, the authority to go, but you don't have any dunamis. Amen. We need both in our lives, and we need both in the church. Maybe you're here this morning, and you just need God to whisper to your heart and remind you that you are His child, and that He loves you, and that He's not left you, but He wants to be your helper and walk along beside you. Maybe you need that ecclesia this morning. Or maybe you're here, and you say, I just need that power. I need God's power to go forth through whatever I'm going through. I need God's power to go forward and to reach and to, uh, and to fulfill the calling that He has on my life. In whatever way we need Him this morning, I pray that we will just come to the point, let's say, I can't even, but the Holy Spirit can. And we'll allow Him to do so in our life. Folks, it's Communion Sunday, and there's no greater time because Jesus said that at Holy Communion, He's with us in a special way. And He said, do this until I come again. And so today, as all people are invited, you do not have to be a member here or a member anywhere. If you just want to take a step towards Him in any way, you're invited to this table. It's God's table. It's not my table. It's not Pine Valley's table. It's God's table. And so everybody's invited. And in just a few moments, we'll be sharing together. But I pray that if you need to just say, I can't even, and you need to give that to God, then we'll do just that today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you, and we love you. And we just pray that you will continue to move in our hearts and lives in such a way that we will come to that place where we realize we need you. And that we will turn it over to you and invite you to take residence in our situation. In Jesus' name, amen.